Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound this is a good one welcome to the full-scale outdoors podcast i'm dale luganville thank you for joining me here we go this week's recap and rant uh election week oh boy uh actually as i record this the elections are voting is over uh, i'm recording this on the, the wednesday uh sorry i didn't get this weekend recap and rant up a little sooner uh there's been some scheduling changes around the house and just kind of how it went also we need to get a waterfall wednesday recorded with nick he was out of town hunting i think he was in michigan i do believe uh so actually right now uh if you hear some road noise i am recording this as I drive down to meet Nick A. Johnson, and we are going to attempt a uh, podcast in the field. We'll see how much of a shit show that is. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, so for recap, last Saturday it was uh, really windy, and it was a what was the direction of the wind? Southeast, I believe, and it was pretty windy. And uh, Joel had done some scouting, found a lake that was that had a fair amount of birds on it. So we decided to give that a shot. Um, it was uh, Joel, myself, and Mike Austin was not part of the crew this week because he was up at Camp Ripley. Uh, I haven't got a report back from him how he did. Uh, I think Joel said something that he got busted by a buck but i don't know if uh if he shot anything or what i'll have to give him a call anyways uh so yeah so it wasn't our normal crew however we did invite uh t-bone down and he had a buddy with him so uh we had two boats set up a pretty pretty good size spread a few diver lines a bunch of hawker decoys out a bunch of mallard decoys so it was a pretty cool little spread and uh yeah there were plenty of birds flying up and down that lake uh not many birds that wanted to play with us however uh, which is weird because the thing 
we love about this lake is there's a particular spot on the lake where they seem to really, really, really want to be. And for whatever reason, that day was not one of those days. Uh, there was some teal that kept wanting to get back in this little cubby that we, we hunt next to. Uh, but they wouldn't, they didn't even come by the decoys. Like they just went around us, over us, behind us, whatever it took to get, they got in where they wanted to be, but didn't put them anywhere near shooting for us until the drink went to the well one too many times. Um, we smashed them. I think it was like three shots all at the same time. Like one of those, uh, sounds like one singular shot, but three people shot at the same time. So, uh, yeah, got him. Pretty good-looking Drake, Greenwing, actually, uh, for Minnesota for this early. Just a really good-looking Drake. Uh, even started to get the little white bar on the chest. That was pretty cool. Uh, what else did we shoot that day? Um, <laughs> oh, we did get a ringer. This Drake ringer came in. And I believe we shot some buffies. That's kind of really what this lake is is known to produce. Is a, it can spit out a pretty good buffy beat down when you hit it just right. And usually when just right means everything's freezing up. Or everything around that lake is already froze up. Which probably could have been good a week ago when it was cold. But now that we're actually in November, as because it's Minnesota, um, it's... My truck right now says 76 degrees. <laughs> I should be fishing. Uh, I did that yesterday, uh, but I'll get to that. And, um, yeah, so we did have some luck with geese. I believe we got four geese that morning, and uh, there were quite a few geese uh, on the lake. We did bust some out of that spot uh, in the dark that morning, so not uh not unheard of for us to get geese there we don't usually get a ton of geese in that spot but we did manage to uh coax four of them to get too close so i mean it wasn't uh you know wasn't shoot them up bang them up just a awesome day to write stories about but uh we shot birds it was fun a lot of laughs good good time hanging out with uh hunting buds you know so then uh, the plan was to uh, maybe uh, hunt Mille Lacs on Sunday. Joel and I had, and uh, Mike had never hunted it. Uh, T-Bone is, he's hunted it a few times, so we were going to kind of ride his coattails. It's somewhat of a, I, mean, I don't know why, I've been on that lake enough times, but it's, as far as duck hunting goes, you go there in the dark, and I don't know, there's just something uneasy about that big lake, and it was supposed to be really windy. So I was like, well, we'll plan to go there. If we get there and it just looks too sketch, we had a couple backup plan lakes that we were going to go try. But we finished up early enough on Saturday that, uh, you know, it's prime time. It's time for me to get into the stand as much as I can. So I hurried home, climbed up in the old tree stand there. Well, actually, it's not a tree stand. It's that giant oversized box blind that I built because I'm, you know, an iron worker by trade not a carpenter but <laughs> however not entirely my fault the plans i got offline only gave me one angle what i wanted to build was like a hexagon kind of like the full scale logo you know a six-sided that's what that's what i wanted because 
that way no it had nothing to do with the logo but that way no window is facing another open window so they can't really skyline you that well and so i found some plans online for a hexagon shaped box blind and i went about you know gonna go make it and they gave me the uh, angle so i pre-cut my boards and uh, started to put it together and when i laid out the like the outline base you need two angles here's anybody in that's in geometry right now pay attention uh, for a hexagon you need two different angles one angle will not work and of course now that i know that and i look at my symbol i can see that the two side ones are a much sharper angle than the top and bottom ones what so if you have all the same angle what you will get is an octagon <laughs> so uh so it's substantially larger and the downside to the octagon is it's completely mirror image so no matter what window you're looking out of you have a window straight behind you so like what i was trying not to do i made the worst possible scenario as far as being uh, highlighted so you got to block out the windows behind just really not that big of a deal but wasn't preferred that was mistake number one <laughs> mistake number two i'm kind of giving you the rundown here in my box blind i feel like i might have talked about this already but whatever anyways so the other thing i didn't take into account um again iron worker not carpenter is i had four by eight plywood sheets i wasn't going to cut them down you know like well whatever i'll just make them eight eight feet tall right big deal that's more room than I need. I mean, I'm 6'4". You know, if I stand up and shoot, I got a tall uh, brace height for my bow. It's nice to have a little extra headspace. Not a big deal. Except for when I put the 2x4s down and then I pre-built the walls with 2x4s. You end up with more than 8 feet tall walls. So I still ended up having to rip down some 4 by 8 sheets because I had like a, you know, whatever the math comes out, I had extra room at the top without any boards so that was fun uh yeah so that's how that goes uh, but it's a giant box stands very comfortable very roomy you can hunt three people out of there if you wanted to so anyways that's where i was hunting not the tree stand i was hunting the box blind the octagon blind and uh, i'm sitting there um not much you know i got action on my cameras but it's almost all nighttime activity uh there was one day i had some uh does and fawns come through at like 1 30 but not consistent however it is pre-rut that is ramping up it's getting more and more and more and this time of year it was halloween like any any time you could be in the stand in and around halloween you need to be in the stand because deer can move at any time of the day so I'm sitting there, uh, and I'm hunting in the evening, so whatever. And I can't remember what time. It was probably about, this is before the time changed. So it was probably about 5.30, and I catch some movement, and it's like right under one of the windows. I'm, I look over, I see a deer back. One. I'm like, holy smokes, this guy went right next to the stand. And I peek over, and I see it's got antlers. I was like, ooh. So I, I get ready. I stand up, I get ready. He come, He doesn't really come out. He's behind this big pine tree in a big old buckthorn he's just sitting there chewing his cud 
mind you know taking his time but it's super windy like super windy and these big breezes would kick up and every time a big breeze would kick up he would jump he'd get really it was like making him really nervous there was one point in time where a a really big gust of wind came up and he jumped that like spooked him out he may have caught like a quick a quick whiff of me as the wind was like swirling around but um uh yeah he so he bolted he like jumped out right right out in the open which is great i come to full draw and uh then he starts to like trot off like pretty quickly so i had to give him the old meh you know so i i met adam stopped him he looks back over his shoulder i settle my pin right behind the shoulder the same exact time so he didn't jump the string as you might be expecting this story to go the exact same time i choose to shoot he decides to take off like a bat out of hell so whomp not whack but whomp i see and i hear my arrow hit much further back than i would like uh i knew right away that it was a uh, not a great shot gut shot he runs off. You know, he doesn't do the normal buck up and down. He kind of drops. His tail's not up. It's another another sign that he's gut shot. And he kind of runs into the thick brush and jumps back out and gets on my little, like, four-wheeler path. And then I watch him go up to the ridge and then out of sight. Oh, he's going to be walking for a while, I was pretty sure. So... He was long gone, so I didn't really, like, wait too long. Uh, I hopped out of the stands. I just wanted to go see the arrow, see what was on it, and I knew it wasn't going to bump him. I mean, he was long gone. Uh, so I went down. Thankfully, I found my arrow right away. And there was some blood, a decent amount of blood right there where the arrow was. Uh, but the arrow was uh, all waxy, with tallow, had some blood on it, uh, but it stopped dunk it was definitely a gut shot the blonde was nice dark red however so i was hoping that it was a a liver shot um because then you know they really only have a few hours liver shot as opposed to a straight gut shot that didn't like get any uh vital organs they're gonna die but it could take a day maybe more Thankfully, the weather was cool enough, so that wasn't a, that big of a deal. And so I let it get dark, grabbed the flashlight, and I started tracking this buck. And I'm finding blood, and it's starting to get less and less and less. It goes on to my neighbor's property. They happen to be having a Halloween party, so I go and talk to them. They're totally fine um, with me trouncing around on their property. And... I got to the point, I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not finding, I'm, I'm still finding blood, but like, the, I'm, the specks of blood, like I, I am like literal drops of blood, right, not, not splatters, like it's not, this thing is not bleeding a lot, and instead of uh, trying to suffer doing it via headlights, uh, I decide to just uh, call it a night, it's going to be nice and cool. I'll just let him sit, and uh, I'll try to find him in the light of day. So I let everybody know 
I'm not going duck hunting in the morning. I have I shot a buck. This is, you know, gave him the whole backstory. So that was going to be my day. Well, Joel wanted to help, or more so learn. He knows my weakness about, like, teaching people stuff. Because um, the track was so small, it's like, well, I kind of need to concentrate. I feel like you're going to be a distraction. But I said, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be a good learning experience. He's not much of a deer hunter. He's kind of curious about it. So I was like, yeah, come on out. If you're not going to go, I assumed you'd want to go duck hunting. But if you want to do this instead, I guess, you know, in the event I do find it, you can help me drag it out of the woods. So not a total loss. And he comes out, and I kind of show him uh, what I'm doing. At first, he's like, there's no way. Like, the... <laughs> I posted a picture on Snapchat of, like, what I was tracking, and it is, like, the the ball of a ballpoint pen amount of blood on this oak leaf. And that's literally, like, the blood trail that, that I was tracking. So it goes on to the next neighbor's land, across the street onto the next neighbor's land, <laughs> And uh, she comes out. She's like, you guys tracking a deer? I'm like, yeah, but I was, hopefully, I, I was hoping she was going to be like, yeah, it just fell. It's, it's over there. I watched it bed down or whatever. Like, ah, oh, it'd be sweet. That wasn't the case. Um, but she was also fine with uh, me going on her property and looking for a buck, which is cool. And then it kind of bordered, and it probably at one point in time did cross over on the, oh, it did actually cross over onto the, another neighbor's property and so i talked to him he was cool about it the neighbor to the north or south of him was cool with it in case we got over to there and uh, so all my neighbors this first time meeting him so i live in the country we all have like you know seven to ten acre lots so it's you know we're not like neighbor neighbors and we like to leave each other alone it's beautiful and uh so we're tracking this thing and really starting to run out of blood and so I'm going off of other skills, like at, at this point in time, I I kind of could recognize his footprint. He had quite his his feet were splayed quite a bit, so that helped in a couple times because it wasn't below freezing the night I shot him the night before. So the ground was still soft in a lot of spots. So he was actually leaving a pretty good track where the ground was bare, and then it froze overnight, and so then the ground was hard. But you could also see, like, where leaves were disturbed. But that brings me to another point. It was so freaking breezy that who knows how much sign blew away because he's bleeding and not much on these leaves, and they're blowing all over creation. So that didn't help matters worse at, or at all. Um, and uh, like I said, eventually we, we lost the trail, and then it came down to, all right, time to think like a deer. Like, where would he go? He's got to be looking for heavy cover to bed down it can't be feeling good and so this big like oak finger of high ground goes out and it's kind of surrounded on three sides by this big uh, like birch swamp and so i run the north edge because he this deer seemed to like uh, he didn't like to veer off he was walking in as much of a straight line as he could he was basically taking the path of least resistance he was on another four-wheeler trail like the whole time from one neighbor to the next he just kept jumping to trails and I guess as it just works out, they're all kind of, for the most part, connected. And like the only time, it, the only time the trails are really disconnected is when the one neighbor's property ends at the road, and then the other one picks up, and it's just slightly kitty corner across the road. 
and he just he went back over there and found like a tiniest speck of blood on a pebble like uh seriously it was on a pebble and so i'm like okay well he's not making any big turns we come to a fork in the trail one trail veers off the left the other one goes forward and disappears but goes into like a game trail i'm like well he kind of he's kind of been liking um just going straight so let's follow the game trail and so we would hop ahead you know 20 yards and look and look and look and kept backtracking and going back and forth and trying to find one speck of blood that would let us know we're on the right path and we weren't finding anything and I kind of start to lose a little confidence in this path because I'm just not seeing much disturbance I mean there's a little bit but you know it's a game trail so it could be from anything a raccoon does fawns coyotes fox who knows could have been anything I'm looking at the edge of the swamp, waiting to see him make a move to go into there. And uh, we go all the way to the tip of this thing. Nothing. And I brought the binoculars out, and I was kind of surging up ahead of me as I went in case we jumped it. Or I could see, you know, you can just see more detail that way. It forces you to focus on, on stuff instead of, you know, losing it in the trees. You can just see more detail wasn't finding anything at this point I'm, I'm online I'm looking for deer dogs and I put some some messages out and people were busy I wasn't hearing anything back and I'm like ah well, let's just back out of here and hopefully uh, somebody gets hold of me with a dog and we can go find this thing and I'm feeling like shit because this like I I have yet to lose a deer and I was like this this might be my one right here and keep going and I'm looking and I'm like well let's do our due diligence and go on the opposite side of this oak finger and check the edge of that swamp on our we got to walk that way anyways so it's like let's just go check it so I'm walking out and uh, using binoculars as I go and at one point I look and I see like something sticking up there couldn't tell it was just like something like round like a hump of some sort and I thought well it's probably a rock and uh, so I, I think, like, I haven't really seen any rocks. You know, sometimes you can get in some of these swamps, and they do have just, like, random boulders uh, laying about here and there and everywhere. But I had not seen any rocks. So I was like, that would be kind of weird if that was a rock. So I kind of got a different angle, and I'm looking through the, the brush, through the binoculars, and I'm like, what am I? Is that? No, that's a rock. Is it? Is that an ear? That might be an ear. Is that him? So at this point, I'm like, all right, I need to bust through this thick brush and uh, go check this out. It's more than likely it's a rock. I'm going to be like, dang, I really thought I had it. Uh, so I'm all ready for disappointment. I bust through the, the brush, put the knockers up, and sure as shit, there he is. <laughs> I was like, holy smokes. So literally call off the dogs and uh, go about uh, – dragging this thing out of the woods uh now the thing is there was significant ground shrinkage <laughs> i mean significant the whole time people are like oh what did you shoot what'd you shoot i was like oh it's a little eight point you know nothing crazy probably a three-year-old well i'd only seen the one side of his antlers everything happened so fast and uh not that i would have been picky that night because like i've been saying my my land's decent but 
It's only seven acres, and the weekend before firearm opener and after firearm opener on my land, it gets real shitty, especially if we get some snow. It just it just sucks. So it's time to put some meat in the freezer. Basically, if it was brown, down. I have a bonus tag. I would have taken a, a doe if I you know, had a shot, but so this little buck she comes out and I shot him. Anyways, I thought it was a four-point because I could see the you know, taller tines on his one side. Well, turns out <laughs> his other side is pretty small. He only had, so he didn't even have brow tines on either beam. So he ended up being a five-point. Three on the one side and two on the other. So, you know, nothing to brag about antler-wise. However, this is my second year in a row of shooting an antlered buck. So that part's cool. But I'm more happy with that I just found it and that I didn't lose didn't lose the deer so we get it out to the path and we're gonna go talk to the landowner see if he minds us grabbing my wheeler and uh grabbing it with that he didn't in fact he, he went one more he had a nice side by side he's like we can just use the side by side if you want i'm like uh sure and if you don't mind I'm like, once you get in there just drive it down the road to my house a couple blocks and drop it off there save me a ton of work from going back getting my sled and tow bar and all that stuff and so he was very cool about it super friendly and uh, so after we did that we went back there and he had a winch on the front so we rent the rope backing up over the hood he had like a dump box on the ranger so we tilted that down slid that deer right up on top of it it was beautiful man i was jealous uh, but thankfully we got to utilize it dumped it off and then went about to uh to gutting it um yeah i just dumped it in my big otter sled and i pretty much got it right in sled so joel got to see that process it was quite stinky though because it definitely did go through the stomach and there was like all sorts of little like chewed up well just a bunch of like vegetable matter and fibers and it's all stinky and fermented and and uh, not good so we get that out, and fortunately, you know, I looked at the liver, and I wasn't gonna be able to keep the livers because they were all covered in that stomach stuff. Uh, so those weren't gonna be any good. And there is a uh, another picture I took, which is of the perfect silhouette of my arrow going through uh, back part of a liver, and so that was good. That definitely helped put the deer down sooner. And then I, like, nicked the far lung. Like, I don't even know if it was much to really do. I mean, there was some blood around it, obviously, but not not a ton. Uh, so I took, you know, I always take the heart out because hearts are delicious. And the heart, for whatever reason, I mean, it wasn't touched by uh, the arrow at all. But it had a ton of blood, like, in it. I don't know if that's just from when he lost, like pressure blood pressure that it was yeah i don't know it was kind of weird um but anyway so i got the heart out uh cleaned out the cavity took the back strap or the uh, tenderloins out rinsed them out really good and then uh brought it you know hung it up went inside gonna go usually i always eat the tenderloins right away and uh Joel never had heart or tenderloins for that matter. So I was like, oh, we'll cook these up. So I cut the heart up and trimmed it up, cut it up in little strips. And uh, they were delicious. The heart was awesome. However, 
the tenderloins, even though they didn't have any actual stuff on them, I think just from being inside that cavity and all those gases, it had tainted that meat. Uh, I cooked it perfect. It was so soft and tender and awesome, but as soon as you started chewing on it, you could taste that stomach smell. Ugh, it was not good. So spit that out. <laughs> like I'm not eating this. <laughs> Thankfully, the heart was not tainted. It was been protected by the lungs, I suppose. And uh, the heart was delicious, though. Really, really good. As it always is. So, people, if you're, if you're leaving the heart in the gut pile, you have got to stop doing that. You are missing out on some really good food. That was my Sunday into Monday. Uh, and then yesterday, I had meant to get a bunch of stuff done and record uh this episode my recap and rant and uh, i was driving around running some errands and looked down at my truck and it said 71 degrees and i just said you know what fuck it <laughs> i'm going home i'm getting the boat and i'm gonna go fishing i'm only gonna have a couple hours but screw it it's november in minnesota and it's 71 freaking degrees i gotta go of course it's 75 right now uh, when I'm going hunting instead of fishing. So at least I'm still doing something. And uh, so, yeah, I went fishing, and I kind of used that opportunity. I'm like, well, I'm going to go one of the lakes that uh, we're ice fishing that's on our our schedule for Minnesota Made Outdoors Tournament League and uh, can do some open water scouting. A little easier to cover ground uh, when you don't have to drill holes. So I did some scanning, did some size checking on some fish, did find some uh, pods of crappies, didn't find any bluegills yet. Um, but then, then again, I didn't have a ton of time. Uh, and then I also kind of got, I just had fun catching fish. So I should have like caught a couple. Okay. Yep. They're here. Keep going. But I stuck it out and, uh, was just having too much fun. Catch a fish. Cause my, uh, a little shout out to, uh, Alan Kishler, Kishler custom rods, uh, that panfish rod you've heard me rave about, I got to break that thing out again. God, I just love that thing. It's just so much fun. It's so sensitive. Uh, I wasn't using a bobber or anything like that. Uh, no live bait. Just uh, threw on a Kenders. Like, uh, they're pretty deep. They're like 20 feet down. So I put on like a 5 mil uh, pink and white Kenders jig. Tipped it a little uh, soft plastic. And uh, I was just... You know, I'd mark them on the electronics and jig them up just pretty much like I was ice fishing. And I'd feel them load up on that rod and set the hook. And and that was that. Ah, man, so much fun. And that's why I got caught up in just uh, camping out on those those schools instead of moving on and, and finding more spots. But eh, it is what it is. I'll get out again. Maybe I can get out tomorrow. And uh, do a little more of that because it's supposed to be warm into the weekend, but this weekend's supposed to be pretty breezy. And that was the other thing about yesterday. It was just there was like hardly no wind. There's a little bit of a breeze today, but it's not bad. Uh, but yesterday, man, it was it was t-shirt weather in November. Legitimate t-shirt weather. Couldn't believe it. Uh, that that was awesome. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the recap. Uh, so the most obvious rant to go off of right now, well, it would kind of be voting, but I don't know what that's, how I'm going to tie that into the outdoors. Uh, other than, I will just say this, 
as it is right now, Wednesday recording, uh, it's not a clear and cut winner between Trump or Biden. Um, got a bad feeling it might be Biden, uh, but it is what it is. And my, my only rant or uh, word of caution to would-be Trump supporters or Biden supporters, whoever, whoever you voted for, uh, please, if your guy does not win, don't throw a fit. Don't throw a temper tantrum. Don't get Trump mania or Biden mania and I have to hear you guys piss and moan for the next four years. Uh, we have a, a democracy a represent a rep, easy for you to say. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a it's not a true democracy. Um, at least not a pure democracy, thankfully. Glad it's not. Um, it's a republic. There's the word I was trying to find. So anyways, uh, it's, it's going to be fine. Whoever wins will be fine. Yeah, there's going to be some changes probably one way or the other, depending on who gets in. Um, but, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like it's You're going to be okay. Democrats survived Bush. Republicans survived Obama. Democrats survived Trump. It's it's gonna be okay. Uh, that's that's all I got to say about that. Let's treat everybody with kindness and not uh, this is don't lose friends and family over it, which some people already have during the uh, election process, and that is unfortunate. So that is not what I'm ranting about. It's just a word of caution. Uh, let's be adults and and be the bigger person if that's how it comes down to. Uh, what I'll kind of rant about, and I happened to jump on uh, Doug Glimmerveen's podcast, the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. He had his two-year anniversary birthday, if you will, uh, podcast episode, and he invited uh, myself and Patrick Patches Olson. Of course, I wasn't paying attention to said calendar, and when they sent me a link to... Um, the uh, stream, I was like, oh shit, that's tonight? <laughs> I just got off the lake. I'll be a little late. So like, oh, I'll just jump in when you can. Uh, so I did that. When uh, Didn't really mean to talk about this subject, but it came up, so we talked about it. Uh, the wolf delisting. The cool thing about that is I've been talking to uh, the lady who runs the Wildlife Science Center up near where I live, up near Stacy, and uh, she has wolves there. You would think you might know what her stance on the wolf delisting would be because of that. Uh, but I think it's going to shock myself, and I think it's going to shock y'all. Um, when I talked to her, she was busy duck hunting. So she's a hunter. So that's going to be a really interesting perspective, and I can't wait to get her perspective on it. Not only her perspective, but she's actually on the board or on a council that is helping the DNR... Um, giving input on how they're going to manage this state's wolves now that they have been federally delisted. What I'm going to rant about is there's a couple misconceptions out there. Um, not so much among hunters. I will put us hunters on blast, though. One thing we have got to stop doing is this the only good wolf is a dead wolf nonsense. Wolves have always been around. Even when we had extirpated them from almost all of the lower 48, Minnesota still had some wolves. When the western states 
you know, when the populations came back and the western states recovered and they got delisted and they had hunting and trapping seasons on them. And when they had that, we were still, we still didn't have a season here. We had a season for like a year or two years or whatever it was before it got shut down in, in the court system. But we have more wolves in Minnesota than all the western states combined. So it's just silly that we don't have a season. But that no good wolf or only good wolf is a dead wolf is just... It's nonsense. All right, they, they've been on the landscape the whole time humans have been. Uh, they've shared space with deer and moose. I mean, if anything that's changed, there's far more whitetails now than there's ever been. Uh, that is not disputable. That is fact. And so if you're bitching and moaning that the wolves are eating all your deer, well, you've never had it so good as far as deer are concerned, regardless if the wolves are there or not. You might just have to change your tactics, too. If you happen to have a few more wolves in your area than normal and uh, they're knocking the deer herd back a little bit, so be it. So what? It's not a crime. It's just what happens. You don't get to have it just easy. It's just not going to be a whitetail behind every tree. I know that's kind of how deer hunters like to have it, but... um, that's just sorry i just i don't have a ton i'm not i know i'm not making friends with this argument but i just don't have a ton of empathy for that he used to shoot deer up here every year and then the wolves moving and the wolves have been here the whole time i mean they literally have been here the whole time that is not the problem so with that said on to how we can better communicate with non-hunters and pro-wolf people, not that like the super pro-wolf like animal lovers, you're never going to sway their mind. But the point I was trying to make last night on Doug's podcast was when the numbers get to the point where a species no longer qualifies for federal protection under the Endangered Species Act, that's a good thing. And instead of looking at, oh, my God, they're, they're no longer protected, we're going to hunt them to extinction again, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen again. Uh, our country is just different. We've grown by leaps and bounds as far as conservation and wildlife management goes. We weren't looking at wolves as this, uh, you know, they were detrimental to our livestock, at least not on a grand scale. And... We definitely aren't going to bring back, you know, bounties, federal bounties and for every wolf hide, you know, like, like just, that's just not going to happen again. So that's, you don't need to worry about that if you're against states managing wolves. All it means on the surface, all that it means to have them delisted is that they are no, they no longer fall under the protections of the Endangered Species Act because their numbers have recovered. They have fully recovered we should all be celebrating that's that's the misconception that's the thing that we need to get try to get across to people that might be a little leery of it maybe they're just unknowledgeable but that's what it means it's a good thing that means they are recovered the endangered species act did its job it did the exact same they did the thing that it was supposed to do it protected that species until it no longer needed that protection. And that should always be the purpose of the Endangered Species Act. It should not 
it should not protect species in perpetuity and for for forever uh hopefully it works the way it's intended money is there to protect them habitat is restored these species come back and then we can take them off the list that's perfect all that means is it goes to state level now states can decide whether they're going to hunt or how they're going to manage their whether they do it by you know sharpshooter culls or professional trappers or it's up to the states uh, but that usually does mean that there's going to be some sort of take involved and obviously i have the opinion of if x amount of animals have to die to manage the herd or the pack or the population it makes far more sense to have hunters and trappers do it privately by buying licenses and tags spending money in the hotel rooms buying gear than it is for taxpayers to have to foot the bill for a sharpshooter or professional trapper to go out and do it uh it's just it to me that's a no-brainer and you can paint people into a corner with that one because they're gonna ultimately they just don't like the fact that people get a sense of enjoyment out of hunting and trapping and out of taking lives and killing animals. That's what they ultimately have a problem with because if it was just the animals being killed, uh, well, that's just not the case because the, you know, the most obvious example of that is mountain lions in California where they ban the hunting of mountain lions. They still kill the same amount of mountain lions, but it's just like I said, now the state has to pay for it instead of, money coming into the state and because they're banned they can't do anything with that meat they can't do anything with the hide like they literally have to dump them into into a hole in the ground and that's what they do with them like that is just a massive waste so if you've ever gotten on a hunter's case which if you're listening to this podcast probably not but you can use this argument for when people get on your case about hunting as a management tool just bring up that example like, if you're really worried about, because they'll be the first ones to bring up, well, what do you do when you shoot one? Do you eat it? Well, with a, in the case of a mountain lion, yeah, you do. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty good. I've never had it, but it's supposed to be very similar to pork. So I would love to try it sometime. But the way you have it set up now, you banned hunting. You didn't save any lives. There's still 200 cats are getting killed every year. They're just now not being utilized at all. The meat is not being utilized the hides aren't being utilized none of it they're just unceremoniously being dumped into a hole in the ground so if that's your argument from an anti-hunting standpoint you have no leg to stand on none whatsoever and the same thing goes with uh wolves you know and i brought this up on the podcast too is i think we really run into uh we can kind of back ourselves into a corner when we start going do do you eat it well as it comes to wolves i don't think hardly anybody is going to eat a wolf again i'll try anything once but that won't be you know when it comes to just managing numbers ultimately if that's the bigger goal ultimately that's all that matters what happens to it after that the loss of life no longer becomes a management tool. Sure, it can become an ethical issue, 
and we can argue and debate the ethics of you know using every part of the animal you kill but even that can get really controversial because are you taking are you always taking the legs out of your geese are you taking the legs out of your ducks out of your woodcock out of the pheasant you know i mean are you eating the gizzards? Are you eating the heart? Like, there's always somebody that can one-up you as far as, like, I utilize everything, and then I make bone stock, and I stuff pillows with the feathers. I use every bit. Okay, that's great. I'm glad if you do. <laughs> but that's that slippery slope I'm talking about. We start giving credence to if you're not using all of the animal that you, that then we shouldn't be killing it. Well, when it comes to numbers and managing numbers, that can't how we utilize it after the fact cannot be the driving factor the driving factor needs to x amount of animals we need to remove to have a healthy ecosystem for all the other animals to be in balance and livestock and crops natural habitat whatever the case may be and the uh, the example i used last night the most obvious example of that is snow geese you know, we have the conservation spring order where they have pretty much taken as many rules off as they can so that we kill as many as possible. There is no, uh, there's no limit. You can use unplugged shotguns, electronic calls, yada, yada, yada. We all know this. And the reason is because they're overgrazing the tundra. They're destroying their tundra. They're literally eating themselves out of house and home. And so the point is to kill as many as possible doesn't matter what you do with them after the fact now do i think you should use them if you can by all means yes and i love that there are states that have you know hunters for the hungry where they have different um meat processors around the state where you can dump off your geese and they'll process them and then they're donated to food shelves like that's awesome if you can use them if you can use the meat 100 percent, you should definitely use the meat as much as you can um but that, again, that can't be the driving force. In extreme situations like that, overpopulation, the point is to get them down to a certain number. And that's, that's what's important. Whatever happens after that, happens after that. So some stuff to think about. That's my rant for you this week. Uh, stay tuned for that uh, episode. Oh, I have a call coming in. Hold on. I'll have to call them back. Bad timing. Jason Jason Cushlin, who's been on the show before, he shot a nice buck in Nebraska. I'll get the lowdown from him here as I wrap this up. But I am on my way to hunt with Nick J. Hopefully we have a successful in-the-field waterfall Wednesday for you. I'm going to try to get both of these up and running. So tonight, Wednesday, whatever it is, the 4th, you'll have two fresh new episodes to uh, digest. Listen to the recap and rant first. Then the waterfall Wednesday, and things will be in order. So, yeah, there you go. Get out and enjoy this nice weather. Uh, the Orange Army takes to the fields and woods this weekend. A firearm opener here in Minnesota for, uh, for deer. Everybody be safe out there. Good luck. And whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places.
Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.